Hello and welcome to Cage Equation with Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. In each episode, we assign where the blame lays to spoil a perfect Nicholas Cage performance. To apply the Cage Equation, we start with Nicholas Cage's perfect 100 and subtract the Metacritic score, which gives us points nicked, which we'll split between the director, writers, Cage stars, and anyone else who we find responsible. This episode, we're looking at Sympathy for the Devil. A quick plot, after being forced to drive a mysterious passenger at gunpoint, played by Nicolas Cage, a man finds himself in a high-stakes game of cat and mouse where it becomes clear that not everything is as it seems. And that is the entire plot point from the Wikipedia page. The man known as the driver is Joel Kinman, most recently starred in a couple of the Suicide Squads as, I believe, Flag. Other than that, there were very few other people, some incidental people in the in the movie. Directed by Yuval Adler, written by Luke Paradise, running at 90 minutes, had a medic critic score of 53, which gives us 47 points to Nick. Malcolm, how'd you like the movie? Oh, I liked it a lot. But you left out Joel Kinnaman's best role, which is as RoboCop. Not my RoboCop. I shouldn't be anyone's <laughs> RoboCop. I think, sorry, I'm going to get us off topic immediately. The new RoboCop, I feel like, completely missed the point of the original RoboCop. Just turned it into, he actually was just a killing machine and kind of took out the commentary that went along with it. Anyways, no, I like this movie a lot. It's one of his better low-budget weird ones that he's done recently. I think the first hour was basically a monologue. I don't did I, I don't know how long it took before Joel Kinnaman got like actual lines in the movie, besides just like acknowledging what Nicolas Cage said. It was it was quite a while. I mean, they had a little bit of the setup with him and his son, and then he was talking on the phone with his wife, which was that whole setup was almost about two minutes too long. I like the fact that they did jump straight in with Nicolas Cage in there, and the first thing he did is showed his bug eyes and started sweating all over the place. With his red hair. Can't forget the red hair. He also yeah. gave us a, a yip in there. Is that what you would call that noise? A yeah, yowl? I think yowl. Yeah, well, there were several noises. He was dialed up to 10 several times during this movie. But other than those two, sorry, I've clicked on every person on IMDb and almost none of them have actor credits in anything else. They're all like, one guy's a production designer. One is a assistant director. It was just those two actors. Everyone else, I think, was just people laying around the production set. It seemed like, a, I think the waitress probably was somebody they had actually had a, probably a casting call for the waitress or something like that. But even that was... Yeah, there, were, there was nobody else in it. Hopefully the sheriff that got shot was just somebody who was laying around because he was awful too. I completely forgot there was a sheriff. <laughs> sheriff. That's the first sheriff that gets shot, right? Yes, yes. So we go, I guess we'll go through like we usually do, talk a little about the Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah, I thought he was, he was really good. I really liked he he did the the vampire kiss face, I think once in the, in the diner where yep. he kind of bares his teeth and makes his eyes wide and leans back. It's kind of a greatest hits of some of his stuff there. And he was really wired throughout most of it, too. I thought it was it was going overboard, which it, he really needed to, because there wasn't much else going on in the movie. No, I wouldn't be surprised. It doesn't say anywhere how long they shot this, but it did feel like they just went like three days straight with Nicolas Cage chopped up on caffeine or some kind of substance, rambling madly. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it was ad-lib, too, outside of... Yeah, there wasn't a lot of story. The story was interspersed. There's less story, I feel like, than Nicolas Cage just going at it, saying whatever comes to him. Yeah, there was. I, it was really light on that. I thought it was a couple of funny things with his little, and then he was doing stuff like he kept drinking out of his little flask. 
which I think looked like it was thimble size, but I think he had about 12 swigs out of it and also filled up half a coffee cup with it too. It was like a, you know, ever drained it a couple times in there. Yeah. It was self-filling. It was like out straight out like a, like a ever full flask of whatever codeine or whatever it was. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's a sub story that we didn't pick up on the nuance the writer had where Nicholas Cage's character, the passenger was also playing a character well, I don't know if you actually used the word nuance on anything that was going on with the writer. Um, I think there was layers, layers on layers. Layers on layers, like an onion. Oh, man. It was, yeah, so Nicholas Cage, I thought, was really dialed up. It did seem like it was just filmed. They did a few exterior scenes and stuff. I think we both noticed it was uh, filmed on the LED screen in Vegas. It was like the first one that was filmed on the LED screen there in Vegas. For people who don't know, the LED screen is the same thing they would use like in The Mandalorian where it's a giant 360 screen where they project the entire thing on there. So it actually helps with the lighting too. So like if they're driving down street, the lights will be hitting both sides of their face. Like they're actually on the street. So it's a virtual production technology, feature film, virtual production technology is the fancy name. Yeah, it is. So we were talking about that. We always read the trivia right before we do the movies. And this is the, most boring piece of trivia i think i've ever read the first time a feature film utilized virtual production technology in the state of nevada specifically so maybe the state of nevada like their film commission is probably the one that wrote the wrote the trivia page for this one or something because obviously no one else took any time to write anything about this movie i'm surprised that there's 52 people have come in and upvoted one of the five trivia pieces that seems high this seems like a movie I think if I looked on it on Amazon, it would be a movie that has about 20 reviews, I feel like. It was a weird movie. It doesn't even feel like his other I Need Money movies. It's weird that they got Joel McKinnon in it, I felt like. It just, everything felt weird about this movie. The script didn't seem like a real script. There was no story. It's a story that's been told before. I would. I think it's been told in a TV show over the course of an hour. Yeah, I. this is one of those times where we're going to start veering into the bad things really quickly. But it was a it was a very short. There was a, they had a twist ending, which wasn't a twist at all because the whole setup for the thing is there's a bookkeeper and there was a mob guy, and so you know right away one of them's the bookkeeper, one of the mob guy, and it becomes relatively clear pretty quickly also which one of them would be the who's the guy that has a bone to grind? Isn't the guy in the front of the taxi? Why would he care? So that's that's the question I had about this. I understand. So Nicolas Cage is telling the story throughout. Did he he knew who the hitman was? The guy that is the hitman that killed he killed someone in front of Nicolas Cage's wife, who then went crazy and I and started not crazy. She then was a reasonable human being who started telling people that she watched her husband's crime boss's hitman kill someone. So then that hitman goes and kills her. Yeah, and I don't, but I don't think he's actually, he's not the one who actually killed the first guy. He was the one that was called to come in and take care of the problem. Yeah, yeah, sorry, you're right about that. My question was, Nicolas Cage, when he's explaining who, whatever, John, I don't know, his name was something really stereotypical. (laughs) But when in the Hitman, he's like, well, I got a phone call from John, and John's the guy they bring to clean things up. So Nicolas Cage knew who this guy was the entire time. I feel like the hitman would probably remember who Nicolas Cage is, right? Well, you would think, but I don't know if even Nicolas Cage has ever actually ever even met this guy or not. I don't know. It, it, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. Obviously, I think Nicolas Cage's whole point was he wanted the guy just to admit what happened. Yeah. So it wasn't even a fact of him knowing for sure it was him. 
He just wanted the guy to come clean and explain to him why that had to happen the way it happened. He also killed Nicolas Cage's kid as well. Yeah. So that was, I think that was where he's really wanting to know why all that occurred. Okay. So we just explained the first, how long was this movie? 93 minutes. 93 minutes. We explained that first hour and 15. That's, Uh it takes an hour and 15 minutes to tell this story. And during that time, they start in Vegas. Nicolas Cage shoots a sheriff who pulls them over. And then they end up in a diner. And by we by the end of that setup, I was waiting for something else to happen. Nothing else happens after that. The diner blows up or gets caught on fire. He kills everyone in the diner. Diner catches on fire. And that's the backdrop for the rest of the movie. It was really weirdly paced. I Again, this felt like what would be an hour-long procedural crime show episode. So it'd be like, what, 35 minutes of actual episode? Stretch into 90 minutes. Yeah, and what the problem was, I think, was they thought the director and the screenwriter thought they had a much better script than they really did. We say that a lot. And I don't think, I don't think, it seemed like they were trying to do like a Quentin Tarantino movie. And it wasn't a Quentin Tarantino movie. We say that a lot. Do you think these screenwriters know? you think they have a level of self-awareness of their movie? Or do you think, I don't know, if I got Nicolas Cage in my movie, even this version of Nicolas Cage, I feel like, I would feel like, yeah, you know, I wrote, I wrote something good here. I don't know what intrigued Nicolas Cage about this one. I begin to suspect maybe he doesn't have the best taste in movies. No, no. He says he likes the movies where he gets to do something he's never done before. Maybe maybe this is his greatest hits movie. Maybe he just saw an opportunity to do everything. I think maybe also the air part of it is he's he's more about the acting part. I don't think he's really that much about the finished product. I think he's he's just just there for the ride. Yeah, I think he's it's more about the journey, probably. He's one of those guys. But it was, yeah, I, my, one of my notes on here was, you may, you may not be a good writer if the top three lines out of your movie is you quoting other writers. Yeah, what were those? Which ones were those? Okay, so first he quoted Nietzsche from Thus Spake Zathursta. And it was, for the devil may start to envy those who suffer too deeply and throw them out into heaven. Is that the philosopher? Yeah, the philosopher Nietzsche. So he, he, he steals something from Nietzsche. He also said, plain and simple truth, although the truth is plain and never simple, was Oscar Wilde. And then there was another one. I may have missed the last one, but there was one other one, too, that he said that. But it seemed like every time that you go, oh, that was a cool line, and you go, oh, he stole that from another writer. You missed the best line in the movie, which, though, is, which I, I choose to believe he didn't steal. Nicholas Cage saying, after he breaks his nose, I wanted to be 100% sex. Now I'm only 50%. See, and now I'm only <laughs> that was that was actually the best movie. I mean, that was the the line that you're watching when they had the, the preview screen. It was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be good. And then unfortunately, I'm gonna be hundred now I'm only half that. Yeah, I like sex. I liked I like that line. I also I felt there's few parts of Nicolas Cage's performances that I feel truly came from Nicolas Cage as much as his rant about no substitutions and who puts American cheese on a, a tuna melt, which I have never agreed more with a movie's <laughs> supposition than who puts American cheese on a tuna melt. That's well, disgusting. Well, it was it was it was just just for the for the scholars later on. It was cheddar, but he said then he says mozzarella, but he has to say mozzarella. He has to make sure that he, he's pronouncing it correctly because he's from he's from Brooklyn. 
Oh, is that is that part? Did I miss that part of this? Yeah, he's originally he's he's originally from Brooklyn. The bookkeeper was originally from Brooklyn, and then moved to South Boston, which I think he honored several times both of those accents throughout the movie by switching back and forth. That's a nuance. That is a nuance. If they have Nicolas Cage, he may not have worked in those accents. You may not have known he was the bookkeeper. He was. Otherwise, there was a lot of backstory going on there. I was kept thinking, it was like, he's either picking up from other people or he's picking up from other performances or other other actors. And Melissa's like, the editor, we were watching, she goes, it sounded like he's just doing a bad Al Pacino. That was my exact thought when I saw him. I saw him and said, this is going to be a bad Al Pacino. Yeah. He has he has the goatee, the red hair. He, he it looked like knockoff Al Pacino. Like he's gonna scene. like he's gonna start doing like he's gonna start doing scenes from from what's the devil movie Keanu Reeves? Oh, the Devil's Advocate. Devil's, yeah, yeah, Devil's Advocate. Yeah. Yes. Look, but don't touch. Oh, yeah. He. I mean, okay. Nicholas Cage, a lot of, I felt like there was a lot of good. There was that, that the line, the 100% sex line. We got a, a, a half an hour. I have an hour and a half Nicholas Cage monologue, but I think it was, there was just all 30 minutes where I don't think anyone else said anything. We got another dance scene. That was, that was good. And he is two for two on amazing dance scenes so far. Abby pointed out both of them headbutt properly. I will say that. I don't, so instead of, you know, headbutting, the head, the forehead they both headbutt into the person's nose there's a lot i don't remember abby says this to me a lot whenever we see a headbutt and maybe it's in psych but someone says no one wins in a headbutt and some in some tv show we had seen but they both won a headbutt in this proper headbutts so kudos to them on that yes and the dance yes the singing and the dancing that was good so joel mckinnon is a good actor I don't think he was the right guy to play the drama. He didn't give him like a lot. To, I, okay. Maybe that's not true. Joel McKinnon playing a hitman who has convinced himself, sincerely convinced himself he is not this person. That's like the whole thing is he, he doesn't believe he's the person who did this. Then he reverts back to that person. And then they end the movie with him repeating to himself who he is, like his new identity, right? Yeah, but, but I, that's not the right way to play the other person. You have Nicolas Cage doing this. Just let the let Joel McKinnon be a crazy guy. Why did I didn't like Joel McKinnon either? So you have no sympathy. You don't have a lot of sympathy for Nicolas Cage because he's playing that crazy heavy, which you're not supposed to. I mean, you enjoy him, but you're not supposed to like. Oh, I'm rooting for this guy. He did shoot a cop almost immediately. Yeah, and then at the end of it, and then he's just shooting people. Yeah, and he, it doesn't make any sense why he's shooting half the people he's shooting. At the end of it, you have some sympathy for him at that point. But Joel McKinnon, I never had any, I didn't like him at all for the entire movie. But you knew he was a, even if there wasn't this subtext, the way he played it was as a bad guy. It felt like, like even before you knew the story, you knew that something was up with Joel McKinnon. But I think that's just his, that's always his character. It's the same guy in Suicide Squad. Yeah. No, he was just wasn't, I don't know. It just wasn't, it was kind of like a mixture between a, yeah, like a serial killer and Dwight from The Office. I mean, with the glasses and everything. I don't know. He was. I keep saying McKinnaman. It's just Kinnaman. Kinnaman. <laughs> yeah. That's how big of a fan of him I am. But yeah, that, those were my wins for Nicolas Cage. It had my, one of my least favorite tropes in all of Hollywood, which is not turning your fucking ringer off your phone. Easy fix. No one in Hollywood would ever get found if they just flip the switch on the side of your phone that turns it to vibrate. I think he's, I'm going to write a movie where it's the opposite and does what I always do, where I turn the turn off the ringer 
And that's what causes can't, the problem. Can't find it to call the cops. <laughs> you you get away, but you can't find it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I did like one thing is I'm always asking myself, why don't do why don't they do this? Well, he threw himself out of the car, and the guy's in the back seat with a gun on you, and he just jumped out of the car and rolled away. But then like, he doesn't run immediately. Yeah, but at least he gets. I mean, he does get. Obviously, the car keeps going, and I, he hurts himself. So that part's realistic, but. The fact that you don't ever see that happen, though, in any, any shows at all, it always kind of bothers me. I don't know. Have you ever tried to imagine trying to build up the nerve to jump out of a car? That's true. Even with the gun on you, if you're going to any reasonable speed, your your brain's not going to want to let you just leap out of a car. I know but it's a movie, though, so you already got a bunch of people doing stuff that doesn't make any sense, and that's the one thing that they that doesn't make. Any, but then people do stuff like they'll jump off edges of buildings or whatever. I mean, it's yeah. doesn't. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I've I've never been able to again, this is a really dumb thing to hate. <laughs> I've always despised the idea of a normal person jumping off a building towards a trash can. Oh yeah. Like any if you're higher than one story, also you're aiming for a trash can. I've never seen a trash can completely full of trash bags directly underneath a building normally. Like they they're always completely full. And but what's also, in the- Trash bags aren't soft. No, they're full. You of don't throw away trash. pillows. It's just full of cans and and discarded bones. And, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Sorry, not the movie we're talking about. No, it's the not. The scene was really cool, though. The end, yeah. This the background with the flaming um, gas station. Yeah. It was. I was about to say it was really well lit, but I guess that's just that that screen technology. John Favreau came up with. Did he? Did John Favreau invent that, or is he just the first person to use it? He was the first person to use. It. I think Industrial Lights Magic did. The, the Star Wars people did about him. Yeah, yeah. They have a I mean, documentary about them out. I think, or is that out yet? Do you know about Industrial Lights? I haven't seen yeah. that. I do remember watching the documentary on the Mandalorian. I, I tuned into that part and just watched that part because it was really cool. Let me say a couple more things that I actually okay. did like. There was a couple of parts. John Kinnaman actually had my second favorite line, which is where Nicholas Cage is arguing with the sheriff. Why did you pull us over? What are you being? Why are you being such a dick? Why are you doing this and everything else? Me and my friend here are just trying to get get to blah blah blah. And he looks up and he goes, "We are not friends." (laughs) (laughs) And then the why is the sheriff reaching for his gun? He pulls his gun out and tells the guy to get out of the car because he has a guy that's arguing with him in a car. I mean, I've seen videos of cops pulling their guns walking up to a car for someone speeding. So, yeah. Maybe, also, he's in Nevada. Not going to stereotype a whole state worth of cops, but I feel like the South Southwest region is not somewhere you want to you want to run into the police very often. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, but it was such a he was such a stupid and ineffectual one too. It's like. Why is this guy pulling his gun out? I don't know. The whole thing. <laughs> he didn't seem like a guy that was going to be, you know, sir. He seemed more like a sir. If you say one more word, I'm going to call my supervisor. We're going to have a discussion about this. It seemed more like that kind of guy than a guy that's going to pull his gun out. Um, you would think if you are going to pull your gun, normally I feel like they instantly, like you want to radio for backup immediately. If you're going to go for your gun, you should probably call in. Do they? Okay. You'll have no way of knowing this either. I always thought, I just assume when they pull someone over, they just plug in the plate immediately before going up to them. So everyone's aware of what car it is. I actually had a sheriff guy who worked as a sheriff and a police and police department. And he had, he was teaching one of the class I took in college. 
And he goes, oh, and by the way, just so you know, by the time they walk up to your window, they know who the car is registered to. They know whether or not you have insurance. They know every person that lives in your household. They know everything that's, that could possibly be known about your car from your license plate. That's why I figured it and would every, be really dumb to not take advantage of that knowledge immediately. Yeah. And that's just what they do. But any other any other likes about the movie that are tapered that no, immediately the, feed into a dislike? And this is not a and this is not a like or a dislike, but this most painful part of the whole moment is when the shootout starts and they drop the sandwiches before anyone even has a chance to taste the sandwiches. That kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. It did you notice good. that did it come out with the mozzarella or did it come out with the cheddar? I think it came out with the mozzarella. Okay. No. Otherwise, it would have been justified shootings on Nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a problem. Um, okay, so downsides. Okay. All right. Downsides. I'm going to go right at the writing. The ending of the movie is one of the worst endings of a movie I can think of recently. So it ends with them flipping their car. Nicholas Cage is laying there dying, still underneath part of the car. And Joel Kinnaman's character shoots a police officer who pulls up who two not not for any other reason than to tell nicholas cage that he is in fact the hitman and he really didn't mean to murder his child and he wants nicholas cage to know that there's a i don't know i obviously he's a hitman he's insane but i'm gonna actually put the hitman thing as a positive here he should know that the cops aren't going to believe that the guy laying there crushed under a car did not stand up and shoot two police officers before being shot in the face by the same gun. Yeah. I don't was- know. They they put the ending there like, oh, he had, you know, you get the closing and then he sits there rocking back and forth saying, I'm whatever his assumed identity is. That dude's in, in jail for the rest of his life. He probably could have gotten off too is the thing. He hadn't actually done anything that would have had him arrested, I don't think, up to that point. Well, and also with the mount, there's three three dead cops in a burning building and all other few other people murdered. With all that going on, like they're not gonna figure out who this guy really is. Well, I mean, Nicholas Cage figured out. I still I still don't he didn't do a good job of covering his tracks, apparently. Because the bookkeeper from Brooklyn tracked him down in what sounds like four to five years. Yeah, and it sounds well. And the other thing, it sounds like he had help from the other from the other mobsters too. But man, Maybe. I missed that I, part too. Was that part? Well, of the he's story? supposed to supposedly he was going to be taking him to go see the mob boss who wanted to see him because he ran off. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing he that's how he got to it. He convinced the mob boss to let him go do it because he'd be willing to do it for him. I'm putting myself in a mob boss shoes right now. I have a hitman who I've had kill multiple people disappear. I feel like the safest course of action is to let that guy disappear. He hasn't, he hasn't ratted you out yet. No one knows where he is. Killing him is going to be the most, because now the assumed identities guy, his wife is going to report this guy missing. They're going to start going down a rabbit hole. I don't, I don't know why my choice would be to bring attention to this guy who obviously doesn't want to be involved in anything. Well, they always, I, but that's that's one of the top problems always. Well, we got to tie up all the loose ends. Why they? I mean, all these shows, movies. And so I'm else. sending my bookkeeper after him. I don't know. He's probably not. 
Maybe uh, he, he, he is a bookkeeper, but I mean, look at him. He dyed his hair red, so you yeah. know he means business now. He's got two guns. He's got a little You don't gun have a second hitman? You don't have a second hitman? No. Mob boss. You are you call yourself a mob boss, and you have one hitman? <laughs> Who's killed people for you for the last five years? Look, you know what the problem with today is? It's nobody wants to work. That's, yeah, they can't find good help. You can't. The be, even the though he, the mob's not immune to the, the economic downturn <laughs> the, here quiet quitting quiet quitting. All, all their hitmen quit and they're on unemployment getting free money from the government and they oh. just it's so hard to find someone to kill people these days you know you guys just you don't understand the struggle they're small business owners when you really think about it and that's job, who's being attacked job creators it's oh. the mob <sighs> I mean, obviously, it's the mob still a thing, right? I guess I don't hear it, about organized crime nearly as much. Maybe that's because I live. Maybe there's organized crime out here. I'm just really aloof and don't don't know the, anything about it. I'm guessing because I mean, a lot of the stuff there's still organized crime. It's just, I think it's gone gotten smarter. Like the biggest organized crime now is Facebook, where you sell all the stuff that you have other people steal for you. So according to Wikipedia, the mafia is currently most active in the northeastern United States, with the heaviest activity in New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and New England. That's yeah. a that's a lot of areas. Yeah. New England is a is a kind of a catch-all for all those things they just listed previously to that too. Come on, Wikipedia. Do the five families now can't go down the mob. That's not what we're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, if you made it this far. Oh, can I get my my second most the the one the other trope that I hate in movies the most? We were about to go. I was going to get my wife and my kid to go, but I had to go get out, go leave the house and leave them behind so I could go get supplies for the trip. Then the hitman comes. I'm like, at some point, I think we all should realize you don't leave to go get supplies for the trip. You all just get in the car. Yeah, grab the supplies later on. Yeah, you they're down the quick. road, cross state lines at least. <laughs> City lines, county lines, I don't care. Just don't be in the place that you know you definitely are. No, yeah. Let's let's clear out. Let's just get out of here and let's go. But they do that all the time. They always have to go back for the well, you know, like uh color out of space, he had to go back for the dog. Jesus. It never ends. <laughs> never ends. I would argue I feel like the wife kind of let the husband down there too. I don't I'm trying to think if Abby and I were having a kid. And I said, I'm almost to the hospital. And then she calls me three more times over the course of an hour. And I keep saying, oh, I can't tell you where I am, but I'm almost there. I would hope she would know I'm in trouble. That something is wrong. <laughs> he's a little shady if she's okay with this. I don't, th does she know he's a hitman? No, I don't think we so. We didn't get he, any of that backstory. That would have been he, more interesting he, than the tuna melt. Well, he met her. And then he realized he could be, because I think he was drinking a lot. He met her and then she turned his life around. So, yeah. It's like a, it's like a stupid redemption story for the, I don't. I don't, I didn't feel bad for either. They're both just bad people doing yeah. bad things. There's no one to cheer for. The only people I was cheering for were the people in the cafe. And I think most of them ended up dead. Yeah. And well, and why did some, like he, he killed the owner for no reason. He chased him down and shot him. He, he kills the guy at the bar too, right? The trucker. Well, that's I mean, but that's okay. Okay. He almost kill... kills the family too. But he doesn't kill the family. But he points a gun at him and seems completely ready to kill a wife and her child, a daughter. 
which seemed a little out of character for what, what you find out later. Yeah, so I feel like the writer was so concerned with not giving away the very obvious twist uh-huh. that they, it's like they wanted you to believe that Nicolas Cage was the hitman this whole time. And there's absolutely no reason, no logical reason he would have been the hitman. No. It, the story makes no sense if he's the hitman. He doesn't need you to admit anything at that point. He's just going to take you to where he's going to kill you. They were so concerned with protecting a plot twist. That oh, a were... huge cliche one that they, I think they ruined the rest of the movie along the way. Well, there wasn't much of a movie anyway. Cause it, like, I think they were thinking they had wonderful dialogue, but then he had, st- I mean, there was all sorts of weird stuff coming out. It was like Edward, he was doing Edward G. Robinson. Do you know what Edward G. Robinson is? No. He's the one that, if I say this, you may know him from cartoons when the guy used to go, yeah, man. And like you do the gangster voice, the old twenties. See, oh. we're going to get you. See, like that. Okay. Okay. So that wasn't when I was a kid, wasn't old. That would be like um, me making Seinfeld, you making Seinfeld references or something. I mean, it's just an <laughs> old, old, old reference when I was a kid. And at this point, it's like 12 generations past. And that's he what died they, in 73. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. He was born in the 1800s. <laughs> so how am i supposed to know who this guy is exactly. what's his last cre- his last credit was 74 as party guest uncredited yeah so this guy is trying to be clever the driver's trying to be clever he wasn't clever he stole a bunch of line he stole a line from nietzsche and oscar wilde is it nietzsche or is it nietzsche and i feel like ian's gonna judge us either way i don't know if he listens to this but we will get a text one way or the other if he does. but he has he has listened to a few of them before so it'd be one of our listeners right there Okay, so let, let's. So the writing's horrible. It doesn't have any structure. There's no structure. It's trying to be cute and trying to be something that isn't, and it's not good enough to get there. The directing was good. I felt like though. No, I, I thought didn't. it. I thought it had no. some good visuals. I think it had some good visuals, but I think- what, what else is he gonna do when the scenes he gets are guy in a car in Las Vegas, guy uh-huh. in a car in the highway outside Las Vegas. Okay, and the only actual place you can film is a gas station outside of Las Vegas. Well, I mean, he, he films at the diner. First of all, where's the... I, the diner was weird because where this diner is like... 45 minutes outside Vegas. And well, it's 45. Like it's, it's also immaccolate. It's well... I mean, it looks like it should be like one of the hottest nightclub spots or something like... You know what I mean? It was a real... I would go to that diner. It was yeah. a cool diner. And there's two people there. What? What is going on? He's got this car. He's got the LED rig, right? It still looks like they basically put a camera in the back of the, or front seat in the passenger seat or in the back seat and then just film these guys as they're actually driving around and if you had that kind of technology yeah. and that kind of stuff where you could work with it i mean why haven't you, you should at least like have a take the windshield out of one take the roof off of one actually do some real camera work on it the whole shoot that when he shot the sheriff on the side that didn't make any sense the slow motion i mean the whole thing was just was just kind of plot. i'm looking up the, i'm looking up the budget here which okay. I, I'm sure they won't ever tell me. Flickonclick.com. I'm citing my sources. Budget of around $30 million. Okay. 50% of the movie filmed at a virtual studio of yeah. like Voo Technologies. How much do you think Nicolas Cage demands for a movie? I'm, guess, I'm guessing, no, I think he probably 5 to 10 for this guy. I mean, he is doing a resurgence right now, right? So Yeah. yeah five, so 5 to 10 to him. I would, I'm going to assume that Joel Kinnaman got paid two, three, 
probably a, a good amount of money also yeah. to be here. But you know what? I was going to use this to justify how maybe he just didn't have the budget to do it. I don't know how much shooting at Vu Technologies takes. He also did save a shit ton of money by not casting any other actors in the movie, I guess. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, you're right. I, just I just, thought it was, I, 30 million is more than I thought this movie got budgeted. It looked good though. I mean, that was the other thing. It was like the camera, the cameras look good. Everything looked good. So just give us a little more something with it back and forth, you know, use, use the camera to do something besides just shoot over the shoulder or, you know, a close up of a cigarette lighting. It was, I think the problem with this movie is, is it was like just an edge away from being good. Like real it good. Really was, I was excited about it probably to 30 minutes in. I would say I was still like, I was waiting for something yeah. to happen. And I, I think I watched it. I've watched this one a total of about three times in the last two weeks. So I watched it the first time that I went back and I watched it and watched it again, but not all the way through both times. I mean, you know, like in pieces, the first time it's really good. But by the second, third time, it's like, oh, because there's nothing. There's like three lines you're waiting for. There's the 100 percent sex line. There's a cu- couple of the funny things. The waitress, you, you notice the second time you watch through, she had the whole her little thing where she's like, you know, telling them about the substitutions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's way overly rehearsed. It's just it's not. I mean, the second time you see it, it's like all these holes start developing where it's like not as fun okay. to watch. I will defend it on this. Just okay. saying. Do it. Name a movie that you would watch three times over the course of two weeks that would not end up like that. I, I watched the Batman, the new Batman movie. I watched that uh-huh. three times in two weeks. It has to be a pretty high caliber movie to not <laughs> to not find these these holes in it. Yeah. No, I did. It does. It does. But I was just saying, it was kind of like it's though it's all the the good stuff kind of just flows away from it. There's yeah. nothing much there besides that. So I don't know. Not saying it was great or it was horrible, but it was that was the problem. Is just write down if if uh, one out of a hundred of fifty is exactly the right in the middle of of a movie, which I don't think Metacritic's the way that works. But you know, at fifty percent, it's skewed now. Yeah, add some good music. Uh, a couple good songs in there. Old, yeah. like older songs but he was playing from a jukebox so it works i got tired of the that the background the score of it kept doing that like that metal screeching sound or whatever yeah yeah it's that could that could die as a <laughs> as a background sound i'd be okay with that yeah so okay all right so, so first, we have 46 points we right? have 46 points yeah nope we have 47 i have a meta score of 54 here okay well which one are you gonna go with what? Are, do we use meta from Metacritic? Metacritic? Yeah, the Metacritic. Let me go to Metacritic now. Let's see, may IMDb is not updating. It's fifty-four, I think. Oh, okay. Well, what are you? Are you seeing fifty-three? I'm seeing fifty-three on Wikipedia, but I think IMDb. Oh, Wikipedia is full of lies. Anyone okay. can that. Anyone, I don't know. How <laughs> somebody, anyone <laughs> can edit Wikipedia. So somebody's going through Wikipedia and, and adjusting <laughs> back a point. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, and maybe, maybe there is someone who spends their free time fixing meta scores. I'm going to go with Metacritic's webpage, which is 54, so 46 points. Okay, no problem. I'm going to give, I'm going to give 30 to the writing. Okay. No, I'm going to give 20 to the writing. 16. Oh man, give me a second. I forgot. I want to blame Joel McKinnon or Joel uh-huh. Kinnaman. For a little bit. I'm going to give 10 to Joel Kinnaman, which leaves me with 36. I'll give 25 of those to the writing, 11 to the director. Okay. Scientific breakdown. 25 to the writing. Okay, I'm okay with the director. I'm going to go ahead, though, with McKinnon. 
I'm going to give the, you know, I really have a problem sometimes telling, talking about people's performances because they are up there, but the waitress performance bothered me a little bit. So I'd like to give her a point. But then she okay, did the yeah. thing in the she did the thing in the bathroom though with the crying. I thought that was yeah. see that's the problem. So, so I, I might give no not I'm gonna give an, I'm gonna take a point from the director and add it to the the writer because I the trailer's playing right now and I just uh-huh. saw the scene where Joel Kinnaman is begging a woman staring at him to call the cops and apparently she doesn't ever call the cops <laughs> um, and that that scene bothered me a lot. I forgot that scene happened. Yeah. He put her. The, he's standing at a gas station, staring at this woman down in the eyes, mouthing, "Help me!" And she, you don't drive away and then call the cops. Maybe she's a bad person. Maybe everyone in this movie is a bad, a bad person. person. That's that's the that's the nuance. Okay, so we got. I'm going to go with yours though. Let's just leave it with Joel McKinnon because because I think she redeemed herself with the crying at the end when she's scared of getting shot. So ten for Joel. I don't. I don't know how you can't rehearse a rant or. It's something about so her sounding rehearsed about that, uh-huh. having explained the same policy over and over again to people, I definitely sound sounded rehearsed when I worked at the gym. Probably so. You're right. Don't you have a, a rehearsed tell-off for for people sometimes? I say the same thing every time someone complains. I I don't know because it seems like my entire job at this point is is continually apologizing. That's your one, side job. Your job one, is cage equation. Your side yes. job though, yeah. Okay, so so we're going nine for McKinnon to start. Yeah, yeah nine, nine for, for nine for him, and then twenty-seven. Is that right? Yeah, twenty-seven yeah. for the writer. All right. ten for the director. Ten for the director. I don't know that that's what I said to start with. It could shift all over the place. To be honest, yeah, I think like the writing was just a mess. The director, obviously, I just didn't think he did. He could have done some more stuff. To make it a little more interesting. Just spend a little more time on a storyboard there, guy. But what can you do? All right. Okay, so there's our decision on that. We're going to slaughter the writer on that one. The director's next. And then Mr. Kinnaman, Joel. Sorry for mispronouncing your name several times and adding syllables to it. He's got a little blame there, too. The next one we're going to do is... Oh, I've already forgotten the name. Corelli's Captain Mandolin. Corelli's Mandolin. He's a Captain Corelli's Mandolin. I'm guessing they're talking about the musical instrument, not the slicing instrument that you would use. This will be a little change of pace for us. It's an older one. That will be that for this time. But we'd like to thank you once again. as Malcolm Mickelson, and I'm Drake Mickelson. This has been The Cage Equation, and we will be back for our next episode. Thank you for listening. Nicholas Cage, you're welcome.